Yes, I did turn 47 years old yesterday. And I look good if I do say so myself. It's amazing what a little bit of paint and hair plugs could do. No, <laughs> that's my dream. No, it's not. You know, everything's just starting to click for me. My ankles click, my back clicks, my neck clicks. As you get older, that's just... Someone told me, you'll know you're in your 40s and over when you wake up in the morning and things hurt and there is no good reason. Yeah, somebody's like, oh. I remember then the age that I am today I thought was old. It's when we're sometimes in staff meetings and someone says, there's an older person. And they're, I think they're around like 60. And you'll hear a couple people... <clears throat> around the table. All depends where you're sitting, what your perspective of 60 is. You know, I'm bald or balding. I like to say balding because it sounds way more productive. Like I'm doing something at least. Or it's, and I really don't like to say I lost my hair because it sounds like I've through some act of my uh, forgetfulness that I just like lost it, misplaced it. Like, whoa, I lost my hair. No, I didn't lose my hair like I lost my keys, really. It's just a thing that's happening. I, you know, where are my keys, by the way? Oh, they're over there. Uh, and that's not a joke. I need to know where my keys are all the time. So, yes, we age. We do. We do. Our bodies age and they uh, but if you looked at, I, I, if you ever had cause to look at my wedding album, you would say, I look better today than I did at 21. <laughs> like, I tell you the truth. Like, I, I don't put it up because with children will scroll. The children are out. You could put it up, I guess. But it just looks terrible. Like, I don't know what was going on. Somebody should have told me that uh, braces, pimples, a little mustache that was more like a, something got dirty on my lip, and a mullet. Whoever had a mullet, come on, raise your hand. Some of you wish you could have grown a mullet, but your mama wouldn't let you grow a mullet. And some, they're coming back. Do not allow it. Do not allow it. It's not a good look for anybody. We're going to go over to the Word of God now, and uh, I'm just going to read something real quick off the top. Genesis 25 and 30 to 34. Continuing in our series on Shalom. To set up this little bit of a story, it's about two guys named Esau and Jacob. Esau and Jacob were brothers born into the family line of Abraham, Isaac, and now Esau and Jacob. A family line where God had called their grandfather Abraham and said, i got good things in your life that are bigger than you can do by yourself. You're going to need a generational vision that goes beyond you. And so two sons were born. And in that culture, son that was born first got a double portion blessing got twice the inheritance because the, the goal was not to be unfair, and we don't look at it correctly from our 21st century perspective. The goal was to ensure the continuity of the family line. So they put double the blessing on the firstborn to allow that that family could continue to grow and prosper and be what they had always hoped that they would be. Esau was the firstborn. He deserved the birthright. He was going to get the birthright. He was going to get his inheritance simply because he was born first. Now, I, in my 21st century world, with being born fifth, I would have gotten some crumbs, I don't know, or served my brother, Paul, really well. But the Bible says that Esau was very, very different than Jacob. Jacob was a man of the house. He 
Uh, I can identify with Jacob. This is how I grew up. I grew up making cookies and baking things and doing all kinds of stuff that would traditionally be called feminine, but I love doing them. I also knew how to do stuff that would be called traditionally male because I grew up in a logger's house. And Esau grew up a lot, maybe like Pastor Daniel. He was hairy. Whoa, look at that. It's true. It was. The Bible says he was hairy. He loved to hunt and be out in the woods and just out chasing animals and getting food and stuff like that. And one day Esau, and this is where the story picks up, he was out for so, so long. He didn't take a lunch. That does sound like Daniel again. Didn't take a lunch. Something happened. He was super, super hungry. He was famished. In fact, we pick it up here. It says Esau said to Jacob, he says, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Jacob replied, this is such a younger brother thing. First, sell me your birthright. Just give the guy his lunch. Like, come on. No, if you have ever been a brother, this is what happens. Sell me your birthright. Give me your fishing rod. Give me something. I'm not just going to give you something for nothing. Look, I'm about to die. Again, the drama of the oldest. They want to keep it being number one, so they got to pull out the drama card. You're not going to die. Esau said, what good is the birthright to me? What good is it if I die? You don't give me that red stew, I'm going to die, Jacob. But Jacob said, swear to me first, younger brother. So he swore an oath. In other words, he promised. He couldn't, there was no pinky swear. There was no cross his legs, his toes or anything like that. Swear to me. So he swore an oath, selling that means the transfer of what was belonging to him, he transferred into the ownership of someone else by his own free will to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. And he ate and he drank and then he got up and left. And so Esau despised his birthright. Esau had a moment where it was more important to satisfy the immediate and he sacrificed his destiny because he was more interested in what he could eat and what he could drink. His body was crying out and he listened to the voice of his body and sacrificed the destiny that was over his life. And God, he lost it. He never got it back. It was done. Sometimes there's moments in our life that are more important than other moments. Sometimes there's things that are happening that have a bigger importance than we might realize. And so when we talk today about our bodies, and we're going to get into that in a moment, because we're talking about shalom or a sense of wholeness of our spirit, our soul, and our body, we don't discount it. Because for an immediate need, Esau had an eternal sacrifice, an eternal loss. Now, he did have a measure of restoration, almost like the younger son. He still got something. He still got a secondary thing. But he never became what he was, should have had as the firstborn son. And there's all a whole other backstory of the sovereignty of God and all kinds of stuff. But we're, we're going to read the story out with the face of what it is. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love and your life that's in us to transform us and change us. In the strong name of Jesus, amen. Many, many years ago, back in the 70s, I think maybe in the early 80s, a lady by the name of Mrs. Young, 
who was very old, ironic, I know. Funny story, this has nothing to do with that. Down the street from our house lived a guy by the name of Mr. Knight. And next door to him, no word of a lie, was Mr. Day. And the day and the night continually fought all the time. It was a, almost like one of those things you read about. Mr. Knight and Mr. Day were fighting all the time right there. That's just another story of Mrs. Young being old. Mrs. Young was old and got to the place where uh, she was getting, getting rid of a car. And she gave this car, a Datsun 510. Datsun is the pre-runner, the forefather of Nissan, for those of you that are younger. Apparently, I'm now in a certain sphere. So the Datsun 510, it was a little four-door Datsun car made of kokanee beer cans that were painted. That's what it sounded like. They were just barely held together. But it was a good little car. My mom loved driving it because it was a second vehicle. It wasn't our big van. Got better mileage, all that kind of stuff. But sometimes my brothers would borrow this. Again, this is an older brother thing, I'll just point out. Um, I would have done it, but I didn't have a license. And so they, we went down, we lived on a reservoir, and at certain times of the year, the reservoir would go down, exposing what used to be a town site where there was old roads. So my brothers would go on these roads with this little car while they were going to get milk or something. And they would drive that thing down this road. But down, because of it was a reservoir, there was also these dunes. And it's amazing how far a Datsun 510 can fly. You might not have realized that they could fly, but if you hit a dune at the right speed, at a great rate of speed, even that car can fly. And so this car, they would go down there, and I would just crash them down, and my mom would be like, oh, something's wrong with the car. Well, one night, or one late afternoon, I, I remember one of my brothers who had gone, to, two of them who were usually in something together, went with the car, and um, maybe a half an hour later, my mom was like, where are they? Like, you couldn't call, you just waited. I, I know that's a thing, but you just waited. And eventually they came through. And one of my brothers, I remember him coming through. He didn't have his shoes on because he had gone for a quick trip and he had glass in his hair and all kinds of stuff. And we're like, Whoa, what happened? He said, I swerved to miss a deer and I crashed the car. We're like, Oh, so that little Datsun 510 was done. Find a, a long time later, they didn't hit a deer. There was no deer involved. They would drive down the road and try to do like the Dukes of Hazard. If you go back, look that up if you are not what that is. But, and, and try and be Roscoe P. Coltrane and be racing down and reef on that e-brake and try and like, so like that. So they did that. It was really cool. And they did that, except they kept going and hit a telephone pole about three feet up, right into the side of it. And that little Datsun that had gone on many a Sunday drive was done. It was over. That was the end of the Datsun 510. It had been given as a gift. It had transported us many, many places. It took us on Sunday drives. It took us to the big city of Nakasp with 1,200, 1,500 people in it. And it was done. Even though the engine inside could still run, because the body was thrashed, the destiny of the car was done. No more could it go and be what Mr. Datsun intended that car to be. It was over. Because the body was destroyed. And we live in a culture that's absolutely obsessed with body. Not that's in five tenths, but our body. We live in a culture that is wrapped up in our body. Big brother, the bachelor, culture of pornography, a culture of our 
selling of cosmetics that's off the top. Hey, and if you need cosmetics, you wear those things. I'm not going to get in that fight. That's not one worth even fighting. The Bible doesn't talk about it. We fight age with hair dye and comb overs and toupees and hair plugs. Fashion. We try exercise. Eat right. I used to love going to Uncle Willie's Buffet. Anybody who lived in Surrey a while? Back in the 90s, Uncle Willie's Buffet, when you were a Bible college student, they did not feed you on the weekend. Saturday and Sunday, they tried that five and two fast thing early before it was trendy. Like five days we get food, the other two, it was like on your own, pray, bro. Be involved in life. And so we would save up our money and for $3.99, go up to Uncle Willie's Buffet, and you would eat all. They lost money on us Bible college students. I t- it just did. They made no money. Now, I walk by a buffet and I gain five pounds. That's just the way it is. Your body changes in so many ways. But our culture continues to make youth and virility and vitality get all the attention in our culture. We have a perspective of eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die or hashtag YOLO, right? <laughs> have as much sex as you want with as many people as you can until you find the one. Cultural wound up in our body. Stuff, get more stuff, get more stuff, get more stuff. We have storage sheds because we can't carry all of our stuff in our house anymore. It's a great business to get into. But in midst of all that, there's a dark side, an underbelly to all of this obsession in our culture with body. I have never preached on what I'm going to preach on. Because it's going to touch every one of us in some way. I speak and preach on money, and I've gotten comfortable in it because we think and talk about it all the time. The Bible actually has a fair bit to say about our bodies. I just don't want to talk about it because it's going to get in some of our grills. But one of my kids said, Dad, but if you're going to tell people to read their Bible and pray and and help their spirit, man, don't you think it would be right to help them to understand how to help their body? Yeah, it would. But you could be quiet, child. I didn't ask you for your opinion. (laughs) There's a dark side to it all. We have physical issues where we're stressed out and anxious around our body. I said this a couple of weeks ago that in Canada, there's only two nations in the world, according to the people who study these things, that are more stressed than we are, and that's South Korea and Australia. South Korea, we get, look who their northern neighbor is. We have physical issues around eating where there's anorexia and bulimia and gluttony and overeating. We have health issues where, according to the Canadian Heart and Stroke Foundation, over 60% of us are overweight or obese. And please tell me, or let, please let me tell you, that this has nothing to do with anybody's body shape. There's no judgment attached to anything that we're saying. In anything that where God calls us to, an ideal, and we're here in that space between where I'm at and where God calls me to is this wonderful thing called grace. And it's easy to... I've also discovered this in my ancient years, that we always have a better eye for somebody else's issues than our own. And so be a little careful be a lot careful. The Bible has a word for it. It says, pay attention to the plank in your own eye before you go after the speck in your brother's eye. So let's just set that right there. There's no 
condemnation. There's no laying thing on anybody. I'm just going to try and unpack some things in the scripture that are there to help us. Because we drain our bodies and our brains so low because we run, run, run that we don't have a capacity when something comes against us and we're stressed and worn out and getting sick in so many ways. We have identity issues. It says that 91% of women are unhappy with their bodies. It could have something to do with the fact that only 5% of the women naturally possess a body that Hollywood and the advertisers say is acceptable. Our world is skewed. It's out of order. It's not in harmony. The Bible has ways and means to tell us how to get back into harmony. Get back into harmony. We're destroying the true beauty and the contribution of women through our objectification, our sexualization, and our minimization of the whole person through pornography. We have a tsunami over the last few years of identity issues, of identity confusion, of, of identity struggles, of identity declarations. In many cases, our culture has reduced someone as a person down to their sexuality or what they're experiencing or the pain that they're working through or the confusion that they don't know or the de declaration that they seem to have made about their life. But in a world, in the worldview of a Christ follower, we start with one unchangeable, in, in the mind of a Christ follower anyway, one unchangeable statement that we are created in the image of God. We are created. Let me just read this verse to you. Psalm 139. This is David just saying, you made me. He's speaking to God. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. And you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. You're marvelous. Created in the image of God. Marvelous. Wonderfully complex. Beyond what people have marked you out for. Wonderfully complex. Marvelous. Beautiful. Fearfully and wonderfully made, another translation says. Every person is created with intrinsic value and worth. There are people, I have friends that are in wheelchairs. That does not devalue them one moment. Does not put them down in any way. Every person created with intrinsic value and worth. The Bible says that we are created in the image of God. So that's where we start our thing. And we, and we go on where Jeremiah 1 says that the Lord gave me this message. He said, I knew you before I formed you in mother's womb. Isn't that an incredible thought? I, before you were ever here in your body... I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. An incredible, beautiful picture. David begins by saying how that we're known and created by God in our mother's womb. And not only were we created, this passage then reminds us that God created you with purpose. God created you with destiny. God created you with something that you can do. It doesn't notice it doesn't say I just I I you were born, I set you apart for something. I appointed you as a very specific thing. That God has something for you to do. He has a person that He has created you to be. He has a, a, a special thing that marked out for you that nobody else can do, and He calls it forth. So doesn't it stand to reason 
that if God saw you beforehand, that he created you with purpose, that purpose that's going to make a difference, that's going to speak out the words of God, that's going to bring life and hope, that the enemy would do everything he could to stop that from ever being seen through your life. And when we don't talk about this part of our life, we miss out on the destiny of God because we have all kinds of issues that are happening. You see, in our, in our spirit, we, we are a spirit. You've heard me say this a few times now. We are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. This is who we are. That's who culture says you are. Shallow. What you see, how good you can look, what you have to offer. But God's perspective on you is much, much bigger. He created you with special gifts and talents and things that nobody else has. He created you in your soul realm, the ways to think and ways to look at. I, I work with people and I'm like, man, I never would have thought of it like that. Sometimes it's, man, I wouldn't have thought of it like that. Sometimes it's like, wow, that's amazing. But God created you before it all. You were his, his, his. In our soul, we have unique gifts and talents that make us uniquely us. In our spirit, God's breathed into us his life, dreams to know and worship him, to bring glory to him. Our bodies then were created to bring full expression to the call of God, to the plan of God, to the destiny of God. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, kind of the theme scripture that we've been using, it says, may God himself, the God of peace, put you together, spirit soul, and body. We're not just going to talk about this part of your life. We're not just going to talk about this part of your life. But Jesus wants to bring a shalom. That's the word, shalom, a wholeness to all of our life that, that puts it together in such a way that, that we actually begin to walk through life, not when everything's going well, that everything is going well, then I'm happy and I feel good and I'm at peace, but in every situation that there's a depth to Jesus' rule in my life such that there becomes to be a shalom, a peace, that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm struggling with, no matter what people would say about me, that there comes and there becomes a more and more of the shalom of God, a work of God. God in my life. Because our body is affected by our soul. The Bible says that a joyful heart inside is good medicine to our body. It affects our body. But our soul is also affected by our body. You know, if you exercise, it can help you feel better inside. Because when you begin to exercise, it starts all these processes going in your brain that cause endorphins and all kinds of chemicals that doctors know all the names for to make you feel better. And our bodies are affected by our soul, very, very much so. And with our bodies, we express our soul. We hug, we give handshakes, we have sexual relations, we, we love on people, we kiss, we give high fives, we give fist bumps, we do all kinds of things with our bodies that are expressing something that's going on on the inside. We work, we create, we make things, we express the beauty, we, we do the, the things that are going around in our head, give expression through our body. So critical as well. We're not just a body, we're not just a soul, we're not just a spirit. I'm not always good at expressing things through my body. I have great things and I'll speak them out and somebody else will create something out of that. And we also use our bodies to express our worship. The Bible has all nine different forms of, of worship, of clapping and dancing and bowing and standing and sitting in all kinds of different ways where we express our worship to God. But do you know also that our body can lead the way? 
Sometimes, and I'll give you an example, sometimes we don't feel right. And the song leader or the worship leader stands or a, and says, let's stand and worship, let's give a clap, let's, let's raise our hands. And we're like, I don't feel like it. This is what the Bible says. In Psalm 42, David said he was feeling terrible. He said, why so downcast, O my soul? I don't feel good. I am not happy. I feel discouraged. I feel alone. I feel whatever the issue might be. And some of us sometimes stay there, but then he says, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. So the spirit speaks to the soul, and then he says, for I will yet praise him. I'm going to begin to speak out something with my mouth. That, so the spirit almost says, okay, body, we got a problem in the soul sector. So body, begin to lift your hands. Body, begin to, to begin to clap. Body, begin to declare that God is good. Body, begin to speak things out. Let's go for a jog. Let's move. Let's do something to bring worship to God. And then soon the soul comes into alignment and we start to feel better because we are not just what we feel. We are not just what we look like. We are actually much, much more complex. And so our soul can speak to our body, which can begin to affect, or our spirit can speak to our body, which can then begin to affect our soul. And we have shalom, even though I was a moment ago out of order. Because shalom affects every area of my life. But too often we treat our bodies, even though they're critical in the economy of God, as secondary. We treat them like the the Datsun 510, and we abuse them, and we don't take care of them, and we, we run with them, and we run them too hard, and run them to overheating, and we, we just crush the life out of our bodies. Because we are, the Bible says, we are dust. We are finite. We can only go as far as our body will carry us. And there came a time, there was, because we are such big believers in the spiritual realm, that we often discount the physical realm. But we, we are spirits, but we have a soul living a body, and that's, all, that's the part we see. And this here is all part of what God wants to do in our life, spirit, soul, and body. Too often, though, we say, oh, our body's not that important. Our body's not that important. So we use it, we abuse it. I've heard people say this, I would rather burn out than rest out. What are you, you're still out. So what God wanted to happen through your life is gone. The lives you were meant to touch, gone. The kids that you were meant to love on, the grandkids you were meant to bounce on your knee, gone. I'd rather burn out than rest out. How about you just last as long as the days ordained for you written in the book of God? And trust me, if you have ever stood on the precipice of the abyss that burnout is, as I have stood there and looked down deep into it and thought, I am so close. And the terror that filled my heart, the anxiety that gripped me, the panic attack that my heart started to do because I was on the edge of crushing my body because I was on hell-bent to doing everything that God had called me to do but I hadn't consulted him. I was moving at a realm and a speed that wasn't his. Or we hide. We don't, some people will abuse it and use it and leave it. Or we don't talk about it at all. 
we hide and don't talk about the struggles we have with our body, our sexual struggles, our secret identity issues, our body shame, our depression, our anxiety-driven weariness, our outbursts of anger, and we just keep it looking good on the outside when all behind it is I just frustrated and I'm angry and I can't handle it anymore and I'm breaking down and we quietly shh, don't we don't talk about that but we do talk about that or we slip into the simple survival realm where we you might be like me and you're on the precipice and in many different areas of your life and you just step back just enough from the edge so that you're just survival and you're always on the edge trying to maintain everything so that you don't come unglued not the way God designed you to move. It's not the way God designed you. It's not the way he created you. It's not what he destined your life for to survive. He didn't make it so that you just get by and you hope that you can make it to another day. Some days there are days like that. But, and you hang on, but you don't stay there. You begin to say, what, God, what's going on in my soul realm? We're going to talk about that next week. Pastor Steve's going to do an incredible job of talking about our soul realm next week. But these are all, your body is raising a red flag for you. Pay attention. Something's not right. Something is out of order. Something is going wrong here. Please, please, please. Jacob, in the story that we just said, what good is my birthright to me? Where Esau was exhausted. Esau was overtaxed. He had starved his body. He had run too hard. He had done too much. He had gone too far. And he was in a point of desperation. And he made a natural decision that had an eternal consequence. He did not respect or honor what God had given him. And he ended up costing him greatly, and he never fully recovered it from it. And if we want to receive what God has promised for us, we need to respect what God has already given us. If we want to receive what God has promised for us, we need to respect what God has already given us and respect and honor our body. Because see what the enemy wanted Esau to say, don't even worry about this issue. Don't, don't, or don't even worry about this. It's not even important. This is the most important thing. And so he disrespected what God had for him, and he never got what God had promised for him. He, in a moment, he lost what his future was. Because he didn't respect what God had given him. And so many of us don't respect the call of God on our life. Don't respect what God has created you to bring hope to the world. To bring some life into some dark places. Has created you to be an incredible mother. Has created you, your family to hold together. He's done all those kind of things. But you continue to not honor that in your body. And it's all going to come unglued if you don't get it into order. He had a bowl of stew. Will you eat that stew? What's your stew? You see, because the enemy will do whatever it takes to get you to misuse your body. He will do whatever it takes to get you to hate your body the way it is. He'll try to attempt you to get you to abuse it through lack of eating or overeating. He will try to get you to go into an area of out-of-control sexuality and sexual expression. He will try to wear us out with overcommitment and overstress and overload and too much on our plate. But family, you were created to make a difference. 
You were created for a lifespan that God designed you for. It matters what you do. It matters how you sleep. It matters if you run too hard. It matters if you get enough rest. It matters if you eat right. It matters if you exercise because the call of God matters in your life. So don't dishonor the call of God so much that you abuse your body and lose out on what God intended to flow through your life because your family needs you. The city needs you. The the world needs who God has created you to be. And don't sell your destiny short for a mess of stew or for a sexual experience or for no rest or for running too hard for that extra dollar or taking that other promotion knowing that it's going to hurt your life because there's more at stake. God wants shalom in your life, wholeness, completeness, bringing you together. So what do we do? I think most of the time we make it too complicated. You know when you got snivels, do not go online and Google symptoms of snivels and a, and a fever. You go on there, Dr. Google says, you have a fever, which means you have a deadly infection from an ancient parasite thought to be eradicated in 1920, and you have mere hours to live. Don't go to that extreme. Just say, okay, what do I need to do? I don't go all complicated. Well, let's just start. There's God's part. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. Everything of this, my shalom starts, even with this area of my life. I live in this body by trusting in the Son of God. There's his part in it. And then there's my part, which I love. Jesus says this, walk with me, with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Shalom. But look what has to happen. Walk with me. Work with me. What else? Watch how I do it. And you have to learn. In other words, there's things you don't currently do that you need to do. You need to learn and change and grow. And keep company with Jesus, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Peace. Shalom in every situation. I'm not stressing out over everything, not worrying about everything, not trying to make everybody's life order everything and so I can feel better, control everything and get everything organized so I can feel better. Just walk with Jesus. Yeah, but I, 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 just walk with me. Work with me. Learn from me. And you'll learn some new rhythms. So we want to talk about some rhythms because if I want to receive what God has promised for me, if I want to receive what God has promised, I must respect what he's provided. It's a journey. Isn't that a great picture of journey? It's not a, that's what, life is about a journey. It's not about just a one moment because we have, we were saved in our spirit. We are being saved and transformed in our mind. And one day we will get a glorified body. But until then, we honor what God has given us. So there's, I just want to talk to you quickly about four rhythms because these are speaking directly to things that are in our culture. The first is the rhythm of healthy eating. <gasps> yes, I went there. Proverbs 25 and 16 says, do you like honey? Don't eat too much or it will make you sick. Underline that word, too much. We just eat too much. Too much. And in all this stuff where I'm going to talk about your body and all this stuff, I am going to put a huge disclaimer. I'm going to preach the Bible. If you have specific things you're going to do, go to the doctor and make any adjustments you must make. Let the doctor and you decide if you're healthy. So don't come up to me later and say, you said I was unhealthy. No, I'm not. I'm just saying there's a rhythm of scripture, rhythm of healthy eating. Do you like honey? Don't eat too much or it will make you sick. In other words, too much. See, 
in the Old Testament has a lot to say about diet, and, you, and we're not required to go by that diet, but it's a great diet if you look through heavy vegetables and lots of, and only certain kinds of meat and not too much of it and all that kind of stuff. But let me continue on because it's gotten really quiet. The problem is, again, somebody else's sin is more grievous than mine. We have a grading system, most of us do. But gluttony is a sin. Yeah, I just said that. Eating too much is a sin. Sometimes it's a discipline issue. Sometimes it's a habit issue. Sometimes it's a soul issue. Whatever it is rooted in, sometimes it's finding comfort in food. There are some times when I go to ice cream because I just want to feel better. It's not right. It's not the end of the world, but what's going on, Craig? See, I was a glutton for sugar. This past summer, some of you have been observing, some of you have asked, July, I said, enough is enough. I had put on 25 pounds in a little over 20 months. And I was not feeling good. I was feeling tired all the time. I had indigestion constantly, all kinds of different things that were going on. And I said, I've got to change this. I've got to get some of this weight off me. And I, I cut off sugar. And you didn't make your decision. This, I'm telling you my story. And I broke my gluttony for sugar. I can say no to it very easily now. I did not have any cake yesterday. Not because it wasn't good, not because I wanted to be a uh, party pooper or anything like that, but I'm just really trying to watch it. it. Broke the addiction. Now if I have it, I have it when I want it. Not It doesn't tell me when I should have it. Now I have rarely felt, and I've lost mm, 18, 19 pounds since July. And no. So there's a rhythm in the Bible of feasting, and there's lots of, about seven to ten different feasts in the Bible. That there's also another. So enjoy your feast. Enjoy what you eat. Don't, don't hear me telling you go suck on your lemons. No. If you want to eat your uh, food, go eat it. Go have your, your uh, roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. Eat your chicken adobo. Eat some crab curry. I don't care. Go for it. Go for it. But then there's also a rhythm in Scripture. There's a feasting and then there's the fasting. It says when you fast. The Bible says that? Yeah, the Bible says that. Jesus says, when you fast. In other words, he expects there will be seasons of fasting. Again, go to your doctor. But medical science is telling us now that a day of water-only fasting a week may reduce the risk of diabetes for people who are at high risk for the condition. Another study at USC uh, Los Angeles found that longer periods of fasting of two to four days may even reboot your immune system, clearing out old immune cells and regenerating new ones. Amazing. Science discovering what the Bible always said. Rhythms. Healthy eating, feasting, fasting, rhythms. Don't eat too much. Then the next is the rhythm of healthy moving. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. For physical training is of what? Some value. Are we going to put that scripture up? There we go. For physical training is of some value. It's not useless. It's not the most important thing, but it's not useless. Physical training is important. It helps... Um, Improve depression and anxiety system or symptoms. It has a great effect on sleep, your social interactions. The body doesn't spend a lot of time telling you us to exercise because it was written in a culture where everybody walked everywhere, worked a physical job, and they expected that you would be having some of that stuff going on. In our culture, physical training is of some value. It's not of no value. I saw this on social media the other day. The Bible says that the righteous man... Uh, flees though no one pursues. They say uh, they're fear because they're being chased by a lion. 
He said, well, I don't want to risk anything, then I'll just stay in the couch. Then the next one is a rhythm of healthy sexual boundaries. I'm going to take a little moment here, and then we're almost there. This is not a sermon on sex, but let me say it's a huge part of our body issues, and I'm going to just quickly touch on a couple things. First of all, God created sex. He said it is good. And in the context of biblical marriage, it's good. The Bible has much positive to say about sex. It talks about how spouses don't deprive one another. It talks about a whole book in the Song of Solomon, which makes your skin go red if you're like me while you're reading it by yourself. However, our culture has gone far beyond the boundaries, whether married or single, on so many levels. 1 Corinthians 6 says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. There are deeper themes here than we can get touched in. We'll probably do a whole theme on uh, sexuality, the area of our body. I'm going to write something I feel like stirring in me on this whole thing. But... Physical issues that often flow from unrestrained sexual expression, sexually transmitted diseases, abortion, family breakup, relational pain, adultery, all kinds of things that Jesus is saying, if you want shalom, you need to live differently than the culture. You need to live differently than the culture. You see, men and women, young and old, are touched by these issues. Except most of the time, we talk about all around it, but we don't talk to it. Paul does. He says things like, and let me say this, wherever you're at on this, or you've got it all together, or you've got a whole mess behind your beautiful face, inside of your life that's going on, Jesus says it's okay. He loves you, and he's going to help you. They said learn new rhythms. Learn, learn new rhythms. didn't say be perfect today. It says learn new rhythms. And it says flee, run away from, flee pornography that reduces human down to objects to be used. Flee the erotic novels that you would be embarrassed to read to your children and grandchildren. Flee the promiscuity of a Tinder hookup culture. Flee the cultural norm of sex before marriage. Flee the cultural norm that says oral sex before marriage is not really sex. Flee the cultural norm of texting nude photos and asking for nude photos of someone who's not your spouse. See, the Me Too devastation that was, has come to the fro, forefront in the last number of months is because a culture has thrown off sexual boundaries. And women primarily, not just women, but women primarily have been devastated by it. Devastated. I read the statistics and it breaks my heart. I'm not going to be able to finish this. But our culture believed the lie that satisfying my sexual desires was worth it. It was the stew that we agreed that we would eat and lost so much. And I know that in this room that there are people who are still hurting, still regretting, still in pain, currently in pain. Because a culture said no limits, no healthy rhythm. Men, let's raise a banner high. We must flee the cultural norm of blaming women for our putrid behavior in our culture. We men, primarily in this area of sexualization of women, not only, let's flee the cultural norm that for too long normalized sexualizing women. 
Let's raise a banner high and live differently. In the church of Jesus Christ that loudly says and more importantly lives, women, our daughters, our sisters, our mothers, our aunties, our grannies, you have a place alongside us in changing the world for God. You are not second class. You are not less than. Forgive us for reducing the beauty and strength of who God always intended you to be and, and become, reducing you down to objects. Forgive us for marginalizing you. Forgive us for sinning against you. We honor you. We need you to take your place. Let me finish. Let me finish. We need you to take the place that God created for you. You are not an appendix in the kingdom of God. You are not less than because of your gender. You are not subservient to men. You can be leaders. You can be pastors. You can be prophets. You can be apostles. You, the world needs you to be who God called you to be. And we can't continue to live in unhealthy rhythms of sexual expression and expect the wholeness that we need in our lives. I have some good other stuff and apparently we're not going to go there. I don't have time. I might blog about this this week. I invite you to stand. It's 12 o'clock. I don't know how it got to be there. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. There's a big heavy thing there. The unforced rhythms of grace. Jesus. Jesus said, will you come with me? Will you work with me? Will you learn from me? The unforced rhythms of grace. I want to do two things, and this is where we ended. And so I just invite you to bow your head, close your eyes. There's two areas of our body where we hate our bodies, we wish it was something else. We are not happy with what God has done. For, but you are created in the image of God. You are absolutely loved by God. You are not a mistake. You are not a mistake. God didn't make a mistake. You're loved by God. And wherever you're at in your journey with Jesus, you can begin a new journey today that says, Jesus, I want to walk with you. I want to walk in the unforced rhythms of grace so there's a wholeness in my life that I've never experienced before. I don't want to just play around the edges of the issues around my body that cause me to sacrifice my destiny for the immediacy. And not just in the area of sexuality, but I abuse my body. I don't eat correctly. I don't move. I I, I just live in, as if my body was all there was. But God, you've created me with great destiny. You've created me with a life that's meant to live out for all the days ordained for me. I'm just going to do this. Just, if you're in the area, you just say, Craig, I need to make some, area, I need to make some adjustment and some new rhythms with the help of Jesus. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand new rhythms, the unforced rhythms of grace. Yeah, all over the room, all hands, new rhythms, new rhythms, new rhythms. Jesus, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would help my, my brothers and my sisters to learn new rhythms, Lord. Lord, that you would take us on a journey, Lord Jesus, of wholeness, Lord. We've been so broken 
so broken, so broken by life, so broken by what people have done to us, so broken by the situations that we've walked through. Lord, if we could tell the stories, there's all kinds of stories, Lord, but you, the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Wholeness, have come to restore, 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 that I will not be my past, I will not be, my issue will not become my identity. And with your eyes bowed, your head, head closed, head bowed, eyes closed, just one more moment. And when I begin to touch on the area of sexuality, and you don't need to explain it, but you just said, Craig, I need more wholeness in that area of my life. Just throw your hand up. You don't need to explain it. Come on. It's a culture. We are going to build a culture here of openness in this house. We're going to build a culture that says, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to not have it all figured out. It's okay to walk in areas of, and issues. And some of it might be something that's been done to you. It might be, a, I don't know. I'm just feeling so many things in this room right now. But Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We welcome you, the Prince of Peace, to begin to work on hearts, Lord Jesus. Lord, I begin, pray that you begin to ref reprogram our minds, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you're preparing and setting us up for next week, Lord Jesus. Lord, where you're going to begin to address the root drivers of many of these things in our soul. In the strong name of Jesus, amen. Before you go, next week, Pastor Steve is going to close out this series talking about our soul realm, which tends to be the driver of all the issues. So, do what you have to do but yeah, you can get it on a recording, but I think there will be something. I'm believing God that God's going to set some people free in a powerful way. That God's going to do some reprogram, reordering, and begin to unlock some things for you. Some of you have been searching for peace and wholeness in so many areas, and God's been leading us on a journey, and he's not done yet. God bless you as you go. We're going to close out with this song. You're free to go. Thank you. Thank you. Hey.